We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. All right, we're back. Welcome to Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valentins, you guys. As always, we are happy to have you. We are your hosts, Jason and Lauren Valentin. And we have a special treat for you today. One of our leaders, mentors, spiritual fathers, favorite humans on the planet is joining us today, Mr. Danny Silk. Welcome Whoa. to the podcast. When you said special treat, I thought it was like chocolate and caramel and nuts or something. (laughs) Better than that. We could send you some though. We could send you some. Um, For you listeners, um, Danny used to live actually for a long time. He lived in Redding, California, and he's still a member of our senior leadership team at Bethel Church, but he and his family live in Sacramento and they are part of the Jesus Culture community. But Danny is actually most famous for what he does with his ministry, Keeping Your Love On, specifically the Kylo University Project. Danny, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days, what your world is all about? Sure. Um, Yeah, like uh, um, just keeping the tradition going of um, whole healthy families are going to save the world, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. uh, we really are just pouring into that. We have our Kylo show podcasts as well, but uh, we really are, tried something new last January. And uh, we have a 16 week program for people that are interested in um, understanding and, and increasing their connection with God, with their own heart and with other people. And it's going great. You know, we've had 150 students in uh, two two semesters. We have another one coming up this this next January, and very excited. The teams, you know, that it it very much is a central piece of what we do. And then um, we have the Life Academy and all the, the videos that have been on there for a while. Writing books still. Got another book coming out, Jay. You're going to love it, man. You're going to love it. Dragon Slayers is coming out hot, man. Yes. We'll have to get you on the the, uh, Brave Co. podcast to talk about that. Awesome. That'd be great. Well, that's exciting, Danny. When does it come out? It comes out May 24th. You know what day that is? Brother's Day. It's National Brother's Day. Okay. Now, okay. I'm going to do everything I can to make Brother's Day famous because <laughs> I just found out about it. <laughs> I can't say I've ever heard about Brother's Day. Me neither. Maybe they right. created it just for you. Well, I it's going to be a great book launch day, right? Yes, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. <laughs> that's so exciting. Well, Danny, so... Um, and, and for all of you listeners, obviously, if you've been with us for any length of time, you know that this podcast is all about relational health. And so Danny is kind of like the master of relational health. Like he is our, what's the word? Guru. Guru. Yeah. <laughs> Danny essentially taught us most everything we know. So if you hear us talk about things, chances are, if you find the DNA of it, it traces back to Danny Silk. And uh, so he is 
you know, in our life, when he was here at Bethel Church, he was the family life pastor for a long time. Um, and he's worked in all kinds of fields pertaining to emotional and relational health. So he really is our the the expert that we know the best. He's he is that in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could talk all day long, probably about most of the topics that we that we discuss on this podcast. But one of um, in his role in our life, one of the more specific roles that he fills is um, he has been kind of a spiritual father and leader to us who's been in full-time ministry for most of his life and all of the life that we have known him in. And so what we wanted to kind of unpack today is the concept of building a healthy, robust, thriving family that is connected in the context of the Christian life, which often we find ourselves in different leadership roles, ministry roles, sometimes in career ministry, but also in just servanthood and being a part of the church life and um, you know, missions and all things that kind of pertain to the Christian life. But in the context of family, what we want to kind of talk about today is how do we do that in a way that also promotes health and thriving inside of the family context. So we might, you might hear us talk a little bit specifically about being in career ministry and how to protect family and relationship when that is your primary role. But for you listeners, as you're listening, I would just invite you to think through, I mean, most all of you are involved in a uh, a church. Most of you that are listening um, have a grid for you know, having a spiritual leader in your life and all of you would have a grid for wanting to do healthy relationship really well. And I think even this day and age, like we've just, as the world is pretty global and we hear about other people's lives all the time on Instagram and social media and whatnot, we know that apparently you can be a Christian and even a Christian leader and have a lot of interesting things going on inside of your internal world. We find out about these things sometimes in the news and on social media. So I think what our discussion is going to be about today is actually how to um, set yourselves up well and kind of what what is the standard of health when it comes to ministry and family and marriage? What are our standards of health and how do we actually promote health in that context? So that's kind of the the guidelines of our discussion today, but I thought it would be great to kind of, I just want you to know a little bit about Danny. If you don't know him and his his story, I thought it would be great to start Danny by just inviting you to share a little bit about your own family, where you guys got started in your life with the Lord, and then where did your ministry and family life start for you and Sherry? Oh my goodness. Well, um, yeah, neither... Neither Sherry nor I were raised in a Christian family. I mean, I think uh, Sherry's parents went to church here and there, but um, we we didn't get saved till we were twenty one. So mm. um, we we did what we could to blow ourselves up before twenty one, and we did a pretty good job. You know, I, I give give us some credit. Um, <laughs> and and the in the context of our lives really was. Um, Sherry's parents and my parents um, and Sherry's stepfathers who raised her, they've all been married three times, right? So 15 marriages are sitting there coaching us up on how to, how to, how to go forth and be a family. 
And then, you know, our Taylor Johnson compatibility results came back and the psychologist wrote on our note, you know, uh, wrote a note on our report, Bill, do whatever you can to stop this marriage. (laughs) Because we are clinically incompatible. Okay, so (laughs) we have that in our resume, 15 marriages, and um, we really didn't have any other tools except what we were learning Sunday by Sunday or potluck by potluck or home group by home group, right? Right. And so that we are on the slow boat to China uh, on figuring out how to not repeat our inheritance wow um so i think that that made us really hungry for uh solutions and tools and so when we got saved we went into a ministry for delinquent uh, juveniles and we did that for about nine years so we learned a bunch that that kind of accelerated our training and then i was going to school full-time as a, a to be a social worker or to get a social work degree, I never wanted to be a social worker, but I went. I needed that education to promote in the in our field. I ended up with a master's degree in social work. Um, I nine years into all of that, we transferred into ministry. So that would have happened in nineteen back in the nineteen hundreds. Yes, um, we uh, we came to Mountain Chapel in. Uh, November of 95 and Bill and Benny left to Bethel in February of 96. So okay. four months after we started, Bill and Benny abandoned, uh, left and went to Red. <laughs> and uh, that's that, that was our official entry into professional ministry, I guess you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you guys have three kids. We have uh, two boys and a girl. Our girl, girl's the oldest. Two boys and a girl. So you were in that season of kind of new believers and stepping into ministry and raising your own family without a ton of framework for what it looks like to do it well. Yeah, or a healthy flame framework, right? Mm-hmm. We had uh, we had flame work, but we didn't have. Any <laughs> Yeah. Well, but look at you now and you're still married. So I, what I hear you saying is there's a chance. There's a chance for all those listeners that feel like they're beyond hope. (laughs) So you would. Yeah, very much. There's a chance. That's, you know, when we approach any couple's situation, we bring the hope, you know, like Mm. whatever your situation is, I got to tell you, we've climbed Mount Everest a couple of times. So. I know it can be done. Danny, as a, I think as a guy who's done it, been there and done it, you know, I, there's a lot of people who are just starting out in ministry who have young families and, or even just in business. I think about uh, young businessmen leading Mm -hmm. businesses. And those are the guys that I, I work with a lot. What are like the keys to, to building something, but not blowing up your family or also making sure that that you're doing family well while building. Cause I, I honestly think that that's one of the most challenging things to do um, is to work in a professional career and also build a, a family. Well, do you, do you have some insights into that? 
Yeah, Jay, I think it's just like everything pretty much is you got to begin with the end in mind. You know, you have to you have to really see yourself at the end of all this and um, be very clear about the man you want to be. Like mm-hmm. describe to yourself what is the condition of that man? Has he been through four marriages? Has he had two bypasses? You know, is he... Um, uh, you know, an alcoholic is, you know, what, what does that guy look like at the end of your life? Cause you can design that guy. If you pay attention to how you want to finish this race, then you back it up to now and you start planning now to be that man. And that's the only way that you're going to put guardrails on your opportunities. Otherwise your opportunities are going to kill you. And mm-hmm you're going to lose sight of your priorities and you're going to get to the end of your life wringing your hands in regret. So, you know, I, uh, for a very long time, I've been scheduling my time to protect my priorities every week and, and scheduling out time with my wife, time with my kids, time in my devotions, time uh, preparing for uh, teaching, uh, you know, I have all these roles. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey was was what changed my life back in the 1900s. And everybody I've ever come across since then, I've said, here's this book, read this book, because I'm going to be talking to you about Q1, Q2. And that begins a proactive approach to setting uh, intentionally an outcome. Mm-hmm. And you know, the life I'm living today, I am very happy about because of that approach. Mm. That's a good book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. We'll put that in the show notes for those of you that are interested in that. Um, Danny, so in that, in that, one of the things that comes to mind about you, I've seen you do this well, and I, from what I know, as a young believer, this was kind of your context. So maybe you didn't know differently, but what I've seen is that you've lived your life as a younger man, especially with other men very much speaking into your world. So when you grew up in Mountain Chapel, well, you grew up as a Christian in Mountain Chapel up in Weaverville and kind of a small town, small church community where life on life was just kind of the DNA of the church. And so it, seems to me that you were kind of raised in your Christian life to really invite the input of other people. I feel like that is a learned skill for a lot of people don't grow up that way. They have to learn how to become people that invite the input of others. But what role do you see that playing in people building healthy family culture? And how do people actually do that? Like practically, how do people do that? Especially if they're not growing up in that small town, small church community that's kind of, you know, conducive to that? Yeah. Well, I think there's a certain wealth mentality involved with this because this is what wealthy people do. Wealthy people put their kids in the same schools that they went to, that their parents went to, and there's tradition. You know, there is really a covenant aspect to building and protecting wealth over the generations. Hmm. And I think Bill did a great job of, you know, demonstrating covenant to us 
and and perpetuating spiritual wealth. And so we have absorbed into our DNA since the time we were born again that this is just how it works. It just works. You just protect your relationships and you you function as a unit. You function as a family. Um, you know, that uh, it takes a village to raise a, a child thing is true. It really is true. I was 21 year old child in, in, you know, around the campfires at Tannery Gulch, you know, playing, singing, you know, the Alverts are there, you know, yeah. the Cluses are there. All these people that are still a part of my life, 40 years later, I have this um, protection of relationships and momentum. And it's it's all beautiful, spiritual kingdom connections and inheritance that uh, I don't know a lot of 60 plus year old people that say, I still hang out with people that I ran with 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so true. Um, I think when we look even statistically at people, uh, our world is getting more lonely, lonelier and lonelier, right? I just read a statistic the other day that said the average guy over 40 has less than two friends, you know, two close friends. And, um, and we just know that, that so many people are growing up in an environment where they're all alone and let alone, you know, uh, trying to, to build a career and a life like that. And again, going back to, to most of the guys that I'm leading, the biggest challenge that they have is that they're alone, right? They don't have anybody. They're trying to figure out life. I mean, a lot of them are coming up probably like you came up, um, in the sense that that family was really tough, um, and without having a good, healthy community um, to jump into to show them the way, it's I mean, it just feels almost impossible to to actually figure life out without that healthy structure and that healthy community. Like, thank God that you that you were in Weaverville in that small town with those men and women around you to, to pull you in. What a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just shake my head. I don't, I don't understand how I ended up with this life, but I am the richest man I know. I, I am yeah. just, I am just so uh, tapped into all these legacies and build and then building one, you know, on top of that, you know, so it is a, a um, an honor really to have such such wealth and and i i think that it, it taught me that i have something to protect i really do have something to protect and honor i know we've been in uh you know the Folsom area outside of sacramento for going on 10 years we've been gone for almost 10 years really and yeah 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 and has it been and, that long and i have in me to protect my connection to my people. You know, mm -hmm. some people just consider ministry and or communities as assignments or um, mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, it's just it's, almost. It, it, well, it's yeah, it's um, it, it's in my face. You know, it's I'm doing because it it's in my face, and when I leave it, it goes away. Like high school. Like, no, I, I don't think that that's what we're doing here. I think we're farming um, 
an inheritance and a legacy. So, you know, me being at Bethel every six, eight weeks, you know, is is that exact attempt is to protect all my relationships there so that mm-hmm. my geography doesn't damage the the legacy. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because when I think about, so if I think about trying to equip people with practical tools for living inside of these relationships in a healthy way that is sustainable, I think about what you guys were just talking about with regards to, you know, being in being living your life in a way that you're not actually alone is so significant and I think about why is that and one of the things that comes to mind is that it is it's living in a relational context that creates a safety for you to be honest and vulnerable. Like something about living on your own, living lonely, something about that actually creates a need to hide and protect and show yourself as more or better than you actually are. But when you live in the context of real, authentic relationships with other people who you know they have your back, they know you know they have your best interest in mind, you know that you have they have promotion in mind for you there's less of a need to hide and protect and i think that what we see often in in the church among people who don't actually know how to live vulnerably and connected is a need to hide and that need to hide leads to such dark scary places and yeah. so there's so there's such a multifaceted um benefit to living inside of community and protecting relationships. It's kind of like, you don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Like, are you hiding? And so you're not in relationship or are you not in relationship? And so you're hiding, who knows, but it just is a recipe for an inauthentic life that ends up, you can only protect that life for so long before it kind of blows up in your face and makes a mess. Yeah. Proverbs 18, one says a man or woman who isolates themselves, seeks their own desire, and rages against wise counsel and judgment. Mm. And so you you set yourself up to uh, a a lifelong pity party Mm -hmm. and self-preservation posture while you cancel out every voice that would help steer you out of that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and so I think the, you know the the fractures of relationships today, the uh, the ease of self-gratification through a screen and the uh the lulling into believing that you don't need anybody else mm-hmm. because your life is so much easier without having to struggle with relationships. Mm. So whether it's just getting married or dating all the way to being involved in covenant relationships with other people that are making messes that bring consequences into your life that you didn't do. Yeah. You know, so it's, there's just a whole case against isolation. That isolates. I mean, the the case is, I'm better off just by myself with these little goggles and my chair. Yeah, it's a scary place to be. 
you know, I, I want to get some of your thoughts on this and, and just even to unpack it a little bit more because, um, I don't know, probably in the last uh, 10 years, but even way more recently than that, we've watched some really big leaders fall. And, uh, and I'm not going to like, like morally. Yeah. Morally. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to like call them out. Um, but when I, I mean, I've been in ministry for, I've been at Bethel this year will be 20 years at Bethel. And I know that I'm, that I am not, uh, immune to, to that, you know? So I talk about it a, a lot and, and think about it a lot when I watch these guys who've been in ministry, you know, one just happened this last year. He's, I don't know. He's led one of the largest movements and, you know, trips, stubs his toe ends up, but it seems, yeah, I, I, I step back and look at it and just go like, gosh, what are they, what are they doing wrong? You know, or what are they, what should they have done in order to really shore up their life in a way that we don't end up building this huge ministry that we then can't sustain and, I just love your thoughts on like, what do you think's happening there when, when these guys are and women, you know, are, are growing big ministries and then ends up like, wow, you've, yeah, not only did you fall, but, but you've, you've been in the ditch for a long time and, and uh, nobody knew. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a, it's a dynamic that leaders, leaders create. And, and when I say leader, I mean, it can be a, it can be a dad in a, a family. Yes. It's, you know, it's not, it's not uh, unique to ministry leaders. Business guys struggle with it all day long. Politicians struggle with it all day long. Academia nuts, you know, they, they struggle with it all day long. And it, it has to do with creating a world where you are the ruler of your universe. Mm. You're, you're the king. You set yourself up as the king, and the king is accountable to no one. Mm. You know, so this is small town police officer. You know, this is uh, uh, <clears throat> corruption protects this type of dynamic where there's a mafia boss or a king. And when you create a kingship, you create a royal family and you create two cultures. There's the culture that is managed by the king and the king's authorities. And then there is the royal family that's accountable to no one. They can do whatever they want. And when you have those two cultures, you end up with a recipe for evil, that's what happens. You're you're hiding one of those cultures in the dark. The other culture is the culture you write books about that's going so well. Mm. So it's the it's the royal family thing that you we cannot afford that. And yeah. that's what clicking on the lights, that's what changes it. Mm. So everyone is accountable to the same standards, rules, culture everyone participates in it and sometimes when you try to blend those two cultures there is a terror that the king is going to lose his authority wow and so the king begins to fight against it and that's when everybody finally gets to see it i think that's what's mm -hmm. going on in our country today uh, you know at a macro level is 
trying to pull all that into the light is freaking people out and they are doing everything they can to keep in the shadows and manage the the other culture <clears throat> and that's that i think is what happened is happening in the church when we see beautiful leaders you know people that are just so admired and so iconic and and impactful and influential mm-hmm. and then the light clicks on somebody goes click 10 15 years later and nobody can believe what's happened in the shadows like right that's what happens when we isolate ourselves seek our own desires and rage against wise counsel and judgment that's what happens wow yeah and like you said we can we see that happen in this is i suppose this is just a leadership principle across the board like be careful as a leader not to create a culture where you are the king and you have so what are some uh, i mean you're you're such a you're such a leadership coach danny and so you know as a if you're talking to a young leader and you're coaching them up in you know how to go after what it is that's in your heart like how how do you coach young leaders to go a different way than that like even practically how do you become the leader of something and that's not the culture it looks like this other way it's a different way what is that other way how how do you build otherwise um, you have to have people in your life that can tell you no. Mm-hmm. You know, there has there has to be uh, a traffic light that you don't control. Yeah, and and as long as you know you are the god of the traffic light, then you're you're a toddler in a candy store. You know, <laughs> totally. Just you know, the, the Lord told me, uh, you know, I will. Blah, blah, blah. So you know, I know we all hate as leaders when somebody walks in and says, "The Lord told me to leave my wife." You're like, mm-hmm. oh, great. Well, okay. Well, geez, who am I? Well, if to God fight? told you, yeah. You know, so uh, let's start over. How about we start over, and you decide if you want my input or not. Go back outside, and if you don't, <laughs> keep going. If you do, better drop that Lord told me stuff. Well, many of these big leaders, business leaders, political leaders, Christian leaders, religious leaders, whoever they are, they have that very approach, which is, I got five prophetic words. I got two Bible verses. I have a favorite song. And I have a friend in Ethiopia who told me. You're like, well, great, great. So what are we doing right now? Affirming what you were going to do anyway? Because that's what it sounds like just happened. Like that's that's the setup again and again. So if I can't turn your traffic light red, I don't know that we have a covenant relationship. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my wife can turn my light red in a, in a second. Totally. You know? Yeah, it's definitely a massive warning sign in your life when uh, all the people who told you no are the people that you used to know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that are no longer active in your life. And that's a tough thing to do. Uh, but I, man, it's uh, those guys and in, in, in girls and people in your life that are able to go, that's a bad idea. And you yeah. say, tell me more, right? Like, explain to me, help me understand. 
that's massive <laughs> absolutely yeah it's vital and uh it is it is hard to deal with when you know you get a you get a, a green light and a red light like oh geez you know what do i do with that well that's a yellow light bro that's a yellow light right there (laughs) yeah caution caution better slow ask some more questions take a little time and you know those are so vital to our our long-term success Mm. is, is those voices that make you really dig in and and have to sort out what's the lord saying Danny, it's interesting because I'm thinking through just like a handful of people that have been in my life throughout the years where I'm like, oh, I recognize this thing where I'm like, oh, do you have anybody speaking into your life? And to be honest, like whenever I've confronted that, rarely do they think they don't. You know what I mean? Like, rarely do they think they don't have anybody speaking into their life. Like normally there's a defensiveness about it. There's a, there's a, I have people speaking into my life. I don't make decisions on my own. I have a, and you're kind of, you kind of go like, Oh, interesting. Interesting that you don't see this about yourself. Like how obviously I'm not responsible to make you see it, but I also am trying to understand like, what words do I need to use to help clarify? Like, what it is that I'm actually talking about. Cause we don't probably have the same definition of accountability. We probably don't have the same definition of, I have people in my life. Like what, what is the breakdown there? hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, I, it's so funny. I was just on a call uh, a couple of weeks ago and this guy, his life is just crumbling in on him, right? His wife's mm-hmm. leaving him, uh, her, her dad, his father-in-law, who they've been buddies, is now protecting his his daughter from this guy. He's like, I can't believe what's going on. And everybody I talk to is telling me the same thing, that I'm a selfish idiot. Like, what's wrong with everybody? Like, I don't know. And I said, well, one of the things, one of the situations you found yourself in is you're the king. You're accountable to no one. I'm accountable. I said, oh, really? He goes, well, I'm accountable to God. I said, well, that would be the feeling you're having right now. I said, uh, <laughs> he said, I'm accountable to you. I said, you're accountable to me. Okay, we've had two conversations in 15 years. And the last one was when I found out from somebody else that your wife was leaving you. That's accountability. You better check yourself while you wreck yourself, bro. This is going, <laughs> this is coming apart, right? And he's like, he was just, I'm accountable. Like, yeah, yeah, I think you're about to find out what it means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's such a resistance. There's a, it must be really scary to live that, that way to some people. Like, I can't, I don't know why else it would be so avoided, but I think that the risk of being told no, the risk of potentially there's like a, I don't know if we want to psychoanalyze it like a deep seated need to protect what it is that I feel like I must have in order to be okay, or a real fear of being known for who I truly am. Or I don't know there, but there's a big fear there because people avoid it. Like it's the plague sometimes. Well, I, can I add something to, I think your book unpunishable, right? Mm. It was, yes, I think one of the first times that I watched maybe that I could put into words and really articulate what it looks like 
to be imperfect and make messes in a culture and not get punished for it, but to get led to a place of health and wholeness. And I just don't think that a lot of people have experienced that, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we start talking about like, well, why do you have to be the king? For starters, why do you really want to be the king? But then why do you have to be the king? And why do you have to be in this place where where you're the boss of everything and everyone and not be accountable? And when we go back, it just seems like so many people were have experienced so much punishment and so much fear and pain in their life. But I really do think that your message on unpunishable, which doesn't have to do with discipline, is so key to helping people come out into the light, get their, get well and not get ejected out of the culture. And when I was thinking about, um, earlier, I was thinking about, um, this guy who recently fallen, who started this really big ministry. This was this year. And a friend and I were talking about, he said, man, why do you think that happened? I was like, well, where, where in his life has he, had he ever gone, look at me, right? I'm struggling with all this stuff, whether it's pornography or whatever, and had another leader, a bigger leader in his life go, man, let me help you. Let me, let me lead you to a place of wholeness. Let me lead you to a place of health. And you're not disqualified. You're not disqualified. Like, can you just share a little bit about like the the premise of the unpunishable and, and what it looks like for God to restore us in a way that is loving, but also has a standard. Yeah. I think probably the underlying uh, fear that, that people have that drives us to look insane is the fear of being controlled. Mm. Just so afraid that if we give other people a place in our life, they'll control us. And so either people have broken out of that or they're just so fragile in their self-control mm-hmm. that they war against it. I would say narcissism really comes from being so fragile in self-control mm-hmm. that I am trying to control the whole planet, manipulate everything to serve me and never controlling myself. Wow. You know, and so I, I think that you know one of the one of the ongoing uh repeats in leadership cultures is the battle of the leader to stay in control of mm-hmm. everything else. And they lose control of themselves. So it's the healing of that, you know, the story of Ben Armstrong, you know, in in the yeah. unpunished. And that's exactly what happens is he, you know, he realizes in the moment, in the pit, he realizes I've been trying to get everyone that I know to think something about me favorably. Mm-hmm. And I've not paid any attention at all to the development of what I think of me wow, and what I'm going to do with me. Gosh. Yeah. Who's this man? Who is this man going to be? Who is this husband going to be? Instead, I've been trying to create this image so hard my whole life, trying to create an image and then worship the image. I mean, this idolatry is at the core of this, this giant manipulation game, which then introduces witchcraft 
and you have you have all this madness that is a storm while you're trying to pretend to be okay wow it's wild yep that's all true i've said (laughs) i believe it i resonate goodness goodness okay well this is so helpful danny I feel like what you like what our conversation has just unpacked is um for starters the necessity to create structure inside of your life where you are living authentically and vulnerably in the context of relationship with people people who can tell you no people who are running alongside um the whole family, really, it's a family structure. That's the the structure of family is that there's leaders and peers and young ones in your life. And you're learning to live in that context so that when you go and, and build, whether you're leading a family, a business, a ministry, what whatnot, you actually have framework for health inside of that. And my goodness, I just think, I just know that people who listen to this episode are going to find themselves in that storyline somewhere. Either you've experienced this, you're walking through it yourself, or you know, you've you're kind of looking ahead going, how do I avoid, <laughs> how do I avoid getting myself into one of those big old messes? Well, these are some incredible tools. So thanks, Danny, for for the conversation. We appreciate it so much. We love you. I love you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. Awesome. Well, um yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast, Please share it uh, with a friend. Go ahead and like and subscribe as well and leave a review. Those help us so much. But uh, otherwise, we will see you next week. Have an incredible week.